play a very, very long time ago. We watched Unification 1 and 2 on mm. this podcast, this very podcast. I remember, I remember everything about it. <laughs> Did you remember that Spock was in that episode? We hated Unification 1 and 2. Uh, it's a real, you know, we did, um, we revisited Relics the other day for Patreon listeners where we went back mm-hmm. and we rewatched the podcast. You did not see it the first time. And uh, one of your takeaways, not to spoil that Patreon, but there's much more to it than this, that you, you thought that uh, Scotty coming back was actually like the, the best case scenario for how they can do that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Spock has a much bigger storyline that is not nearly as well executed. And it's a yeah, little bit weird that. and sad that that's the last time you see Spock in the timeline up to Discovery, which is a prequel. So it's the, the last known thing that you know about well, Spock is that he went off to Ro, uh, Romulus. Yeah, unless you count the, when he flies back in time. Correct. I'm not going to count that. Um, <laughs> that's technically when he dies. I so think I think we counts. gave unification ones, maybe a two for the first part and a one for the second part. So we really didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Didn't hold I up don't, well. I, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember not liking it. Yeah. And that we we have mentioned it since as one as uh ones we did not like yeah a, a bad two-parter so this is the the that's that's all to set the stage for this one to, mm. to shock and surprise you with our opinion about unification three but we're going to take a break we'll play a clip from this episode we'll come back and we'll break down unification toi and technically a citizen of navarre ultimately you are within your rights but i'm sure you are aware that a classic tactic during to is to ruthlessly assail the credibility of the challenger i am aware if you are not proved to be credible it will be known forever that spock is to return to us a dissembler and that will have real and grave consequences do you understand yes ma'am unification part three is the seventh episode of the third season of star trek discovery it came out on november 26 2020 it is the fourth of four in the Vulcan Romulan reunification arc, written by Kirsten Bayer, directed by John Dudkowski. In universe date is thirty one eighty nine. In this episode, while grappling with the fallout of her recent actions and what her future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate about the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable burn data. Um, that's a- <laughs> is that like, did you get that from my fitness app? I, the burn data is, it sounds like something you have to log into uh, with your phone to get down. Yeah, a little bit of like it's your Apple Watch's cardio app would be called the burn. It's the um, reboot of burn notice on USA. Um, let's, um, I don't really know where to start with this one, but did, um, what do you think was the, what what what's the one moment here that really stuck out to you as like a, What's the one moment that you think of when this in this episode? How do, how does this episode defined for you? What's the one scene or the one thing where you're like oh, that's geez. that's that episode in a nutshell? Uh, well, probably the one that sticks out the most is the fact that I completely called Tilly getting um, promoted the to promo. number one. Which, sure, why not? <laughs> <clears throat> not only not only does she get promoted to number one, everybody on the fucking ship gives her like a. a a weepy nod of approval. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, we we can bang out that subplot right now, just because it's like by far the least important and the least time sure. sensitive of it. So, um, yeah, Tilly gets promoted to XO, which is not to take anything away from your call, but seems to one hundred percent make sense in hindsight as to how Discovery is yeah. going to do it. Of course, uh, she has a little bit of doubt about it, and then she tells Stamets about it, and Stamets raises his eyebrows at her. 
and then puts him back down and says, well, I guess I have to accept you. And so everyone, everyone gets off duty and stands in the engine room and applauds and cries for her. Um, mm-hmm. As you do on the show. Mean, I I can see a defense of this that comes from discovery being lost in the future, right? I, sure. I think I think yeah. this is a, a complete nonsensical storyline. <laughs> if they never went into the future and they were just supposed to be a part of regular Federation Starfleet stuff, like back in the past when the show started, mm. if that was the case, then it's really a case of like, well, why do they have rank? Like, surely someone must have some experience that surpasses her, and like that, like Saru's judgment has to be called into question about why he's bringing up someone who hasn't even completed her 101 training course, I guess, as she mentions in this, and what the fuck, like, but as they've been moved into the future, I guess you can make an argument that Discovery and Saru have to start thinking outside the box, and that Tilly is the most emblematic of what Starfleet and the Federation are supposed to represent, so Saru picking her kind of makes sense, and she's been relatively competent this entire season. Um, She hasn't been asked to do a tremendous amount, but she went with Saru on that mission, uh, in the second episode, she's been back and helping Stamets on the engines and stuff like that. So I guess it makes sense. Do you think it makes sense? I mean, for this show, sure. I mean, <clears throat> um, there's probably like five other people on the bridge that you could uh, uh, realistically promote before her. There's a storyline here they're not going to get into, which is that some people should be upset about this on the discovery. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought, I, honestly, I thought the the way you'd usually do it is... Um, Captain or Admiral Vance there would probably uh, give him one from start, like right. another ship yeah. or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, uh, this is first officer. Hard Uber. ass. Yeah, this is first hard, yeah, hard yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going he's gonna to come <laughs> and in and he can't, shit out. Yeah, and then he can't hack it until he keeps uh, correcting him showing and him showing up. him the ropes and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean... It, for this show, it makes perfect sense that you would go with Tilly because she has the most lines. Um, <laughs> She's going to lose the position next episode anyway, right? So it's like it's not even worth getting super fired up about. Do you think it. so? You think she's gonna? Do you think she's gonna flame out? She'll have it for a couple episodes, but it's not going to be. He he. Well, maybe not. I, I could see it sticking. I'm not enamored with her full time being that position. Is the problem? Mm-hmm. That's not. Well, I, suitable for her. I think. I think the problem with it is is they're trying to. I think the the most successful character arc in the show has been Saru, pretty objectively. Yeah. Um, he has grown quite a bit as a character, and I think they're trying to force that a little bit too much with Tilly. Like, because I'm sure by the end of the show, you're gonna be like, look how far she came. She started off as this really uh trepidatious ensign and then she ended up being promoted to first officer and blah it's like yeah okay sure but she did i i i wouldn't say she has that story has landed with me as as much as saru's has yes because i think i think part of it is just like everything in this show is just everybody fucking patting each other on the back and weeping about it and Mm -hmm. it's it's really hard to get past that especially in that so this episode to me was the most referential episode they've done this season. Like it's it it to was the, just name dropping. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just name dropping and planet dropping and species dropping and episode dropping. You, you can't can't pick them up fast enough. They're dropping something. Written by a very famous Trek novel writer, Kristen Bayer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> that's interesting because my 
my uh, reaction to this was that this felt like fan fiction to me. It felt like someone who's jumping in to the Star Trek Discovery universe and doing a lot of fun stuff that they'd like to see. And I hate saying that. I hate saying that about official shows or movies based on a franchise because ultimately it's all fan fiction. Mm -hmm. But this, this had a particular feel of fan fiction to me because of how referential it was and how you were they were trying to squeeze everything in and it doesn't help that that burnham was like uh, dialed up to 11 in this episode as far as not making any sense for the character she's supposed to be playing (laughs) let's let's stop this this trial in the middle of the trial so we can have a therapy session with your mother Mm -hmm. like great great burnham's mother reappearance (laughs) I kept waiting. That whole section where she's like head shrinking her about where where she stands as a Starfleet member. I kept waiting for them to cut to someone in the audience that just goes, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, th- I thought this was a logic tribunal. Is, is, this, is this about like data or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like I, I was watching it. I watched through it. And I was like, yeah, uh, fine, yeah. I mean, it, like it didn't it didn't stand out to me as a bad or particularly good episode of Discovery. But then as I was thinking about it afterwards, it just triggered so many of those things to me that that just are so manipulative about this show. Um so much of it felt fan fiction y enforced. When you think about the idea that Burnham has been here 900 years in the future for a year and she hasn't even like google searched vulcan to see what was going on yep. there yeah uh to the point that she's shocked that it has a left the federation and b doesn't exist as it did and it's like a new planet now new name yeah yeah uh, and then but like at the same time they're also playing up her vulcan heritage again for the sake of this episode, which now I now I think is never coming up again because I know I'm kind of <laughs> going. This is it. It's done. I, it's no. Well, I can tell you why because I, I know I'm kind of going all over the place here. But um, during that sequence, they they effectively write it out of her character because her mom says, uh, "What the fuck did she say? Hold on." Um, she said she's not Vulcan. She's she's governed by emotion. She's human through and through, which effectively just writes that element out of her character, right? Like what? Yeah. What's the point of having her be raised by a Vulcan if the if you've just said to the Vulcan people that that's not the case? That's not what she is. Yeah. And like that, none of that matters. So that's gone. So now she's just emotional all the time. That's just like how she's defined. That's literally how she's yeah, defined how she's by defined. another character. She's defined as overly emotional in the in the past two episodes. She's been defined as overly emotional, governed solely by emotion, and having a messiah complex. Mm-hmm. Completely unironically. Like yeah, they, they, they're, they, they're pointing it out in the show. They're having the characters' yeah. comments on this. Which yeah, is, and it's... It, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, uh, you go ahead if you if you had something to add on to it. No, it's just they're pointing it out, but they're not like subverting it or like trying to push against it. It's like, no, that's that's what she is. Right. I, th- that's my problem with it is that there's the scene where she's laying with in bed with Book uh, at the start, right? And they start talking about it and he calls her, He has she has a messiah complex and um, she's like, yeah, I just, 
I really have a hard time not thinking that I like the world revolves around me and it's something I should work on. And when you hear a scene like that, you're like, oh, maybe is this the swing for Burnham's yeah. character to change? Generally, generally, generally that would be in, you, in, in, a, in a well-written you, TV show. That yeah. would be the way that the character starts to realize something there. And yeah. it's a positive to me because up to that point, I felt it was unclear that the show actually recognized that as a problem. It, it's clear that mm-hmm. they do recognize it. The show continues Not as to a problem pl- though. They continue to play it wrong by yeah. thinking that it's a good thing for her that the, that everything will work out for Burnham as long as she is just honest about this and she can admit all the flaws that she has and how ill-suited she is for this mission at that point and it will all work out for her. Her mother will give yeah. her the disc that says, "Yeah, the Vulcans just gave, you know, they heard your thing and they gave me the disc. So here you go. Yeah. You, you can you the can have it." The other person who was not part of the tribunal that did not want to co- cooperate with you really thought you made some good points <laughs> while you were cracking from emotion talking about your childhood or some shit. Can I um <clears throat> well well I think because we're dying to talk about this one in general and the the key points is this trial that goes on. When I asked you at the start what the moment was that stuck out for you. Um mm. there's a moment that stuck out for me and I'll preface this by saying I, I also uh, I watched this episode twice. I watched it last night and I walked away thinking that was actually pretty good, but it had mm-hmm. a few missteps in it. And I rewatched it again this morning because what I thought maybe I was missing was that I did not really understand a lot of the tribunal stuff because they were talking a lot and I wasn't, oh I wasn't, I wasn't was... fully grokking what they were trying to say about it. Yeah. So yeah. I watched it again this morning and I actually think it's much worse because I was putting in... <laughs> I was putting in things that I thought were there that are not there and that I would think actually make it a better episode. But anyway, it's a long way of saying the um, the thing that sticks out to me is that Burnham summons a tribunal on Vulcan, which has been there since the days of Surak. So it's like the founding of the Vulcan logical movement. Mm-hmm. And she says, we have a... She says, "What the fuck did you do?" She said, "We I've summoned a logic tribunal. We're gonna we're gonna hammer out the problem that we've all got going on here." The Vulcan ambassador beams over and says, as you know, the way that we do this logic tribunal is we engage in the most common logic fallacy of all time, the ad hominem attack, and we are just going to attack the character. <laughs> so what the, I sat there dumbfounded by this because it's just such a, it's the most obvious logic fallacy. To have the character come in and say, they, this tribunal is not about the problem. It's about us tearing apart your character to say that right. your solution is not any good. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That makes sense in Discovery. It does not make sense in any sense of what the Vulcans are supposed to be. Even, you know, we've had our problems with Enterprise Vulcans because they're ill-defined as to what they're trying to do with them. And there's a whole there's a whole problem with the Enterprise Vulcan portrayal early on. This was a huge problem for me. That when I first watched it, I thought they could get around because the key out here is that the Romulans have reunified with the Vulcans. And so mm-hmm. I thought what they were going to be doing was that when they had to merge their societies, their outlook on logic became different because the Vulcans were the sure. Romulans are now mixed in there and they're sort of causing problems with it. But the episode itself says this has been the way for all time. This has always been the way of things. And it doesn't make any sense. I was really looking forward to a episode where the obvious parallel of what they're doing here is the divided political structure of America, where you have Mm -hmm. two groups vying for control on this planet that were 
of one piece and something has changed over the thousand years and now the Romulans and Vulcans are together and their mixing has caused a a strange like who can tell what logic is argument you know how this we're in mm. like information bubbles and now it's like who can tell sure, who can tell sure. what's real when you're in your own information silo i thought they were going to do that with the romulans and vulcans i was like oh my god a discovery episode that's actually both ties into the lore and seems randomly applicable to uh today's world but they don't do anything on any of it no. it all is for naught it all doesn't matter and none of it ties back to itself well and it also i mean <clears throat> She she uh, convenes a logic tribunal that eventually the end of it is uh, the, her mom going. That's why she's asking you to take a leap of faith, mm-hmm. and it's like motherfucker, come on, man, what, <laughs> what? Do Pete? Do they know what words mean? I know. Yeah. On this show, like what? The- <laughs> and I, I I liked the idea of this logic tribunal. I was like, sure. this is a pretty good idea. I can see yeah. a lot of narrative stuff being built out of this. I liked the uh, the middle Vulcan, the the black Vulcan, who's like the leader mm-hmm. of them all. I thought his Vulcan portrayal was actually dead on. I liked their portrayal of Vulcans in this. I like that they're sort of, they're not cruel, but they're like extremely matter of fact in what they're trying yeah. to do. And I was like, all right, this seems to be going places. But all they talk about is why can we believe you you can't be trusted. It's like, what the fuck yeah. does that have to do with anything about this problem of the data that you're trying to share with each other? It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And also, I, uh, I for the first like half of that tribunal stuff, I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah. Where they were just like talking, they're essentially talking about file extensions. And it's like, uh, sbq.exe cannot be shared with you because your <laughs> internal processor does not. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's one of those things where they're talking about this and the music is kind of going like, dun, 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 trying yep. to make it intense. And I'm just not really sure what the stakes are here because, like, they're, Burnham is acting as though there's an asteroid headed for the Federation. And unless she gets this data to figure out what happened to the burn, the asteroid's going to destroy everything. Whereas it's like, I don't know. What's another couple days. Right. Come back with better. If you don't have evidence now, come back in a week when you get something better, <laughs> you know, like what, what the, yes. the, the dilithium already blew up. It's not, there's no, there's no overarching threat really. That is making this a, has to be right now solution you could you could lose your tribunal and come back after you've explored whatever and be like oh actually it's this i'm like oh okay well yeah now we're gonna you know um that's why it has to be a one and done kind of thing well that's the thing i thought i thought was missing from the tribunal and i thought was there on my first viewing i thought that i thought the back and forth was more nuanced and layered about what Burnham's ties to this was and that they were mm-hmm. making a better <laughs> argument against her than that, that they actually are. Um, to your point about just coming back, but it, it's also the, the link between Burnham's personal struggle about whether she belongs on discovery feels not perfectly fit against what the Vulcans are trying to push back against it. It, it they do combine in this way, but it doesn't feel like there's a a natural link between the two of them. So the writing has to move at a pretty quick pace to get you through that and to sort of wash over the fact that all of this is kind of detached from each other and that mm-hmm. the, the the courtroom thing is really just a show for Burnham to learn something. It's not that they the characters aren't really having a conversation about something. Right. They're just kind of doing the show uh, provocatively for everybody. And yeah. 
that's not really intentional, but that's just the way that the conflict that Burnham is having about whether or not she belongs on Discovery is tying into this can they trust the Federation argument. Mm. Um, and that really, it leaves you just wanting more out of that scene and sequence and stuff like that. And I was just, I was really just disappointed with, like, I, I love the idea of her finally running into Vulcans who put her through her paces about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just so poorly executed that it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter towards the end of it. It's, it's it, sad. I, this is not a direct one-to-one comparison for a lot of reasons, but um, that this the tribunal scene where she's breaking down kind of reminded me of the Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court hearings, sure. <laughs> where it's like, regardless of where you fall on whether or not he did what he's being accused of, by the time you get to the end of that, I feel like your response should have been like, well, this guy is clearly way over emotional and is not fit for this role at all <laughs> that that's kind of the pro argument for that right like you can't argue that it was unfair to bring up stuff like that the counter to it is you want your supreme court justice to not crack like that yeah. you want him to be like yeah. i don't give a fuck you about don't, your horrible if, argument if, if if you if the end game from that is your supreme court nominee basically screaming like a uh, super villain like people are gonna regret doing this <laughs> you don't hire that guy right that, that's that's and, the argument, yeah. And it's the kind of the same thing where it's like, this is a logic tribunal and she's having a nervous breakdown. And I'd be like, well, it's not being very logical about any of this stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's what I wanted the direction. But the Vulcans themselves <clears throat> are committing fallacies in trying to, d- they're like, oh, you right. think that you can yeah. cure the burn? Well, I think you're a, a poopy head. How do you, what do you think about that? And she goes, well, I, that makes me kind of mad. And he's well, like, well, I mean, then how, I guess can we, you, how can we do you could make, you could make an argument that the logic that they're bringing is that, uh, an emotional Burnham. logic was what I, I if, if that's where you go, yes. I thought there was going to yeah. be a way that the Vulcans attacked her emotions logically, but I don't think they really do that. I think that they just kind of, I, I think their argument is kind of like, uh, you've, you've made some rat, you, you did this, you've made kind of a rash decision here to get something that you want, which you have done in the past and it has never worked out well for you. Correct. So, so like, so which is not an illogical argument to be like, listen, you've done stuff like this before in the past. It started a war with the Klingons. It brought space Hitler back from the mirror universe and X, Y, and Z. So why should we give you our shit? But it's, I don't know if that's exactly. It's a straw man argument though. They're, they're either committing right. a straw man where they're not debating what the merits of actually giving them the data are, or they're just attacking her character, which is another logic fallacy. It just, mm-hmm. it's, I, 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 it's just a stupid portrayal. It's a, it's a subversion of what the Vulcans are supposed to be in order to make this a Burnham story worth telling, because that's the only angle that they have on Burnham to be able to do it. So the, the thing is that, the Vulcans are so clearly defined that breaking the rule so obviously is like, what the, what the hell is going on here? It's almost as if like you had a Klingon scene where the Klingons are like, we're going to have a trial by battle and you get there and it's like a tea party type thing. And you're like, what, like, what is this? What is this coming from? None of this makes any sense. But I, I also would have, if the cold logic of the Vulcans 
had broken Burnham's emotionality argument apart and made her argument for doing this thing an emotional decision that is not backed by their information, I would have been down with it. But they don't do mm-hmm. that. All they do is attack her immediately, and then her mother comes in and says, yeah, she's weak as shit, and you, you shouldn't <laughs> give her anything. And then, then they're like, well, your honesty is pretty uh, uh, like laudatory, so I guess we'll give you the, the CD-ROM that we've got about all this information anyway. In, absolute, in, in the interest of absolute candor, I didn't leave because I had to. I left because she <laughs> sucks. Okay, and crying all the time. What is this mother? The worst case of like, like someone's born again mother going off and like, how has she adopted this over the course of the she, two months? She's been there for like eighteen months, right? She's been there I don't know how the long time she's been there, but... been there. What's she been doing? She's she yeah, just bought I... into this entire absolute candor thing, and it's not. She was just a scientist before <laughs> then. Also, I love when they're when they're walking in the hallway very awkwardly, like you know, her sword keeps bumping into Burns. Yeah, Burns do, doing that like uh, Laverne and Shirley thing where they keep walking in front of each other's feet. Um, she's she's like Burnham's like, did you ever make it to Terra Elysium? And her mom's just like, no, <laughs> no, I landed on this place, and uh, I don't know, they got cool swords, so I just stayed there. It, think of the think of the. It's just such a writerly solution. It's it doesn't seem too obvious until you think about it. But she not only she ends up on Romulus Vulcan, she gets into this group that is the advocates for what Burnham will eventually need to do, with no idea that Burnham needs to do this, and she mm-hmm. becomes the advocate for Burnham. It's like the the number of steps that are necessary for that to work out and not have it wasn't planned. My, Gabriel Burnham is not knowing what the plan is and that she has to show up on Vulcan and become this arbiter in order to service Michael Burnham right. in the future. It's just right. a unbelievable coincidental thing. And she, she apparently buys completely into absolute candor. And I still, I still believe that the, this absolute candor group actually works in both series mm. in Picard and this series. I think that uh, the way they sketch them out here as they were a group necessary for, uh, the Vulcans and Romulans getting together because the Romulans are such liars that you need a Romulan group that believes in the opposite of what that is. Sure, and sure. It's just, that's an interesting thing. Her mother being one of them doesn't make any goddamn sense, enough that she leaves Burnham at the end. It's like, I'm going to go back to Kuat Milan Temple and live with, <laughs> live with these people. I'm not, I'm not paid enough to be a main cast member. I'll just see you later. In absolute candor, again, uh, you're kind of a lot. So when you need me, you know where to find me. Yeah. But I'll be, uh, I'll be around. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the the referentialness of this episode? Um, not particularly. I I I, I you know, <laughs> this show always keeps shooting itself in the foot by showing you stuff from the stuff that you like, and it makes you remember the stuff you like, and it makes you remember how much you don't like this. Mm-hmm. The clip of Nimoy, it's just it. It always works. You could have him like show a clip of him screaming at a key grip about a coffee right. or something. Yeah, just, and I, and it's ordering just like, room oh. service in, in his trailer or something. Oh, Leonard, Spock. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's all like that stuff I actually liked quite a bit. I liked, um, I, I, I don't like them tying it directly to the pep talk that she gave him before she jumped into the future. But I, I liked her pulling up those files and seeing what he had done with his life and how hard he had worked for the Vulcan and Romulan reunification, all that kind of stuff. I, yep. I thought that stuff worked really well. Yep. 
Um, it relies a lot on knowing that Spock exists outside of the show. I think, like, right. if, like right. th- that's a it's a trim. It's the franchise carrying the burden of selling that storyline for her, where mm-hmm. she is taking an audience member's perspective because he Burnham's not operating on any information besides he did this thing, you know. But we're, we're us, where we've through the podcast we've seen all of Spock's adventures. You mm. kind of understand his timeline of what that took to do and everything. So you appreciate it and she is appreciating it in a way that feels like it's an audience member watching this at the, at the same time. Yeah, I'm really curious how the the tail end of the reunification went, seeing as the last known action of Spock was half of Romulus, assuming he helped blow it up. But yes, I'm uh, yeah, I'm. Of, I yes, guess I, I, maybe that's unfair. I guess it's just Nero who thought he blew it up. But correct. <laughs> <laughs> just the miners. I'm a, where let's just put it this way: where narrow goes one, they go all. If you know what I'm saying, there's probably more of them out there. Where did Vulcan blow? Vulcan blew up in the Kelvin timeline. Yes, okay. Kelvin timeline. Yes. Nero blows up. Vulcan, Nero, yeah. Nero does that. Yes, that's that's what I was getting confused about. Okay, yeah, um, using red matter, which I'm still convinced they're going to link to the Red Angel somehow. But <laughs> I, I actually didn't mind the linking in this episode. I thought that this mm. was as good a job as you can do of combining TNG lore with what they're connecting to in the future. My real problem is that I could see a whole season based on spending time sure. with the Romulan and Vulcan reunification. And what, oh, the, yeah. what they're sure. doing here is they seem to be done with this storyline. And this is where the show is failing at episodic storytelling here because there's way too much information to just walk into the scene and then walk out and be like yeah well whatever like we we figured out all that stuff did you did you watch the trailer for next week i did it looks terrible again the first thing they say is we found the source of the burn (laughs) okay okay (laughs) that wasn't so hard (laughs) okay give him credit it happens at the end of the episode probably um, yeah, I, but yeah, it's just like they just they truck through so much stuff so quickly. There's, I just think there's, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can dig out of this where a two societies that used to be one split apart and now they're coming to back together and they have very opposite views of how they're supposed to live in this world and mm. you get a taste of it here where there's the the judges or the Romulan the Romulan Vulcan arbiters have a lot of interesting lines where. The full Romulan one uh, accuses the half-breed, half-Vulcan, half-Romulan of you're always in the middle and you never take a stand on anything. Mm-hmm. There's all this like interpersonal dynamic stuff. I'm like, this is fascinating. This would be interesting if they spent four episodes on this new Vulcan planet and sure. how the Vulcan society is trying to reconcile with the Romulan emotionality and the fact that they lie about everything and that they were a culture that's built around subversion and subterfuge and living in darkness in the shadows and the Vulcan society is open. How are they going to try to cancel that out? And it's just too short. And mm. the stuff that they do focus on is just in service of Burnham having her emotional epiphany during this trial. And it and sh- then it shunts off everybody that like the planets of the Vulcans and the Romulans that I would assume Star Trek fans are actually more interested in than Michael Burnham's continuing adventures at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know and I don't mean this in a good way, where this season's going. Um, because of everything you're talking about, where it's like things happen and then they're just done and then they just get pushed to the side. Uh, I think we've only got like four episodes left. Is that right? 
five? Uh, maybe five, I would think. What are we on? What is this? This is seven. There's 13. Maybe we have seven more, six or seven more. Oh, okay. All right. So we're about, ha- well, okay. Even better. We're halfway through the season. What the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, everything, everything that they've put out there, except for the fucking leader of the, uh, uh, Andorian, whatever, oh, yeah. slave Cy- group. Cyrus or whatever, Cyrus yeah. or something. Osira, yeah, Osira, like yeah. Uh, that's like the only thing, overarching thing, and even that's like not really a threat. It's not like they've been dealing with that. They just keep hearing about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, at, at the halfway point of your story, you should have something larger happening, and as of yet, they do not. It's just this burn. It's just the mystery of why is the mystery yeah. of the burn not good enough for you? Because I don't really have, I haven't really seen how it affects anything. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it's like we've get we they tell us all about it. Sure, yeah, all right, blew up. no more ships, no more Federation, but whatever. But like, you don't really see the results of that so much. And I mean, I'm sure people are screaming, "Well, what about the slave camps? And what about the fact that the Romulan, the Vulcans and Romulans left the Federation and whatever?" But it's like, eh. well, well my, how is my, that? My it's problem, not really. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. The, well, the problem there is that if that's the thing, and that resurrecting the Federation will fix this, solving the burn doesn't fix that because it doesn't. Right. It doesn't invent a new technology that allows the Federation to come around. They should. The yeah. burn is irrelevant. What Burnham should be doing is trying to figure out a new way to fake dilithium to make dilithium, and so that you can, you know, like artificial how, dilithium. How how is it that we're seven episodes into this them being in the future, and neither the Federation nor the Vulcans who are working on an alternative fuel source. Say, uh, can we make more of those discovery ships? <laughs> <laughs> like it's been a thousand years. Can we figure this out? Like that they can they can the reverse 12, engineer the, this thing. The twelve year old kid rebuilt the fucking interface yeah. in like a like a half an episode. Can we figure out how to make like a fleet of these mycelial network ships or what? Their their lack of interest in the spore drive beyond just a cursory like, how did you get here right? so fast? Is extremely interesting. They just don't yeah, care. Yeah, like. When they get when they get to Vulcan or uh, Nevar, 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 yeah. When they get to Nevar, the 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 president there is like, I we I see how your ship works. That's pretty cool, but I don't <laughs> want to know anything else about it. <laughs> don't make us shoot I, you. I, it's it's so 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 interesting to me to have a show with so much going on, so many elements, so many characters, and they just don't do anything with any of them like yeah. they're just there and i i think there's a misunderstanding about episodic storytelling meaning you have to wrap everything up in an episode or something i think i think their target is wrong what they what they like to do on this show is they like to have the episodic moments be these big important things that are far too big for a single episode so they don't focus on the character of the story they focus on sort of like the plot that is outside of that character and this one this one it's meeting uh nevar and the new vulcan romulan alliance and you go that's a huge event that is like that's that's like a movie basically that that plot about what you're doing there and they they shut it off after one episode and it's not the, the better way to do the episodic thing is that this is the background for something that happens to Burnham while she goes there, you know, which this kind of mm. is, but it's Burnham's story is not interesting enough. And they do it in other, uh, the other episodes were like, Nan is the, the one that disappears on that seed chip or whatever. 
Right. The, the focus is more on the. I totally forgot about that. The the event of those things, <laughs> the event of yeah. those things happening, and it doesn't focus on non getting there. And so when non gets there and decides to stay, it only kind of makes sense because the episode yeah. hasn't really given her the 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 uh, breadth of storytelling that needs to sell that character staying behind. You can kind of draw conclusions in your head and say, well, I guess it makes sense. She wants to see her people and go back and all that stuff. But the older episodic stories and the older series would focus more on the character of the story as opposed to the events that are surrounding that character at the time of the filming, right. for lack of a better word. Well, like you were saying, they've mentioned they've mentioned that, she, that Burnham is overly emotional. In this one, they literally call out that she has a messiah complex and she's like yeah what are you gonna do and and but they never like in an in a different show in an earlier star trek show not to pull that card again but that then becomes like the crux of the story right where she gets put into the this position as she is where she leans into her over emotionality and her, her messiah complex because everything always seems to work out for her but this time it doesn't mm-hmm. and how does she learn about herself or how does she change the character because she's been presented with a challenge to the way that she is which she doesn't get in this right well and what, that's what happens seems in built this in. the the romulan yeah. the romulan vulcan conflict is the what you would assume to be the human heart versus the vulcan head conflict that burnham should be going through right. at this point right and but it, in, well in a burnham focused episode she would go there and the lessons that the vulcans and the romulans have learned from their time of growing up together it might have changed the society things might be different for them but they've they show Burnham something that is like mentally a part of her too. It's not mm-hmm. just this realization that there's this problem. It's there's a kind of solution here, or there's a better possible outlook than just being this mopey person who's like, I'm going to quit. Nobody, <laughs> I'm going to quit. Nobody likes me. I'm going to quit. And they don't, they don't do that. So instead they just have a problem on the Vulcan side, a problem on the Burnham side. And then there's this lazy linking of the two things that then sends Burnham off to a next week's adventure. Yeah, like they they say she's over emotional, and they say that she thinks the world revolves around her, and then they put her into a situation where um, Vance goes, "Tell him Michael Burnham's coming to town, motherfucker." Yeah, and then the the tribunal the tribunal instead of saying you realize that uh, this does not all revolve around you, they basically double down on it for her and be like. All of this revolves around you, yeah. which is why we're not going to give you this stuff. And she doesn't get out of it by by taking a different tack or anything. She gets out of it by getting extra emotional, yeah, and like and quitting. It's quitting like the tribunal. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a there's a there's a Superman comic from years ago that that was uh, very highly regarded where he he battles Brainiac. It's a more modern it's good. artwork is amazing. I recommend it, but. Uh, um, I I was really looking forward to reading it, and I read it, and it's like, okay, you got Brainiac, and you got Superman. Brainiac is like, you know, he's a he's a a, a, a cyborg alien thing, uh, but he's very very smart. Superman also very very smart, but he's also Superman. And so they get to this point where Brainiac has physically beaten Superman. He's got him like pinned down or whatever on the ship and he's talking about how he's going to turn metropolis into a bottle city or some shit and i'm reading this going so superman has to win this by outthinking brainiac he's he's done all the punching 
I don't want him to just like steal himself and punch harder. He needs to win by outthinking Brainiac. But in the comic, what happens is Superman goes, ah, and then he just starts punching harder and he punches his way out. Right. What are you, what are you doing? It's every hero trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what is, what is your character learning when, when you've, I I always, what I always say is um, when it comes to like sci-fi shows, right. Or like shows with a sci-fi element, uh, or like a, a special weapon or something. If you start the show or the movie with that special weapon, that special weapon has to break when you need it. Yep. So, like, uh, Independence, the sequel to Independence Day. <laughs> and I'm really going, really going off the track on this one. The sequel to Independence Day, they start the movie with with upgraded alien tech weapons, so they're ready to fight the aliens when the aliens return. Aliens eventually return. What do they do? They use their alien tech to fight the aliens, and that's just it. Yep. What's supposed to happen is your overconfidence in your alien tech weapon is supposed to be shattered when your alien tech weapon doesn't work. So then you have to go back to a different way that is like, a, you know, that's when you dust off the uh, World War II fighter jets or some <laughs> shit. That would have been awful. I wish they had done that. It would have been a great movie. They can't lock But on. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you you have you have that element that you are putting forth as the thing you're putting your faith in. And then that doesn't work. So now you have to rethink and, and your character has to find a, another it, way to do it. It's what they failed but to in do. This one, it's what they failed to do last episode with Georgiou. When Georgiou had that stroke yeah. and she couldn't push the button on the little remote, you go, oh, no. Yeah. Like that's a moment of uh, dramatic terror. But this show just has Georgiou wake up and push the button. You know, there, there's, right. there's yeah. no, it's just playing at this thing where there should be some kind of conflict or you escalate the action and the show and how, is not interested. Speaking of Georgiou. You've got, you've got it. They've just, Saru has just given Tilly the, the uh, first officer commission, right? Mm -hmm. How the fuck? And she spends, Tilly spends like half an episode going, ugh, I don't know. It's kind of awkward. And then ultimately going, yeah, I'll take it while everybody cries and says how great she is. How do you not have George Ow slide in from the side and be like you know you're really bad for this job yeah and I it's know. actually pretty yeah. embarrassing that saru picked you he must be he must have no better ship, he must have some really terrible options laid out yeah of all the people on the ship he picked you like how is she not like what is she there for you, if she's not you, doing this shit saru? Is, is that what it is? yeah <laughs> i did, did you speaking of sexual tension between did you did you see the the way that Saru and the uh, Vulcan lady were kind of talking to yeah. each other at the end there? That was a little little. <laughs> it's spicy for a Vulcan kinky. take. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty pretty erotic. Uh, she's yeah. she was showing her uh, figurative Vulcan ankles in those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. It's like instead with Tilly the Tilly story, it's like okay, now she's the first officer. I guess that's over. Yep. Everybody seems to be behind her, whereas that should be the jumping off point for like more stories with that as an element. Yes. Instead, it's just. It's over. five minutes of her going, Ugh, and then everybody clapping for her and saying, uh, I, or whatever the hell they say. Honestly, she doesn't even really even have a conflict about it. You know, it's like, there's, there's no, right. there's no rising action there. She's just like, Oh geez, let me think about it. And then she, then it's the scene later. She's like, yeah, I'll take the job. I'll do that. And it's, it's like, to, it's, apply. it's about as tense as if you, if you got a job working with your, uh, your, your significant other's ex or mm-hmm. something. It's like, ugh, I don't know. This might be kind of weird. That's more money I may as well take. You know, <laughs> I don't know him. Huh? I don't. I don't really. We're not really in the same <laughs> division, so I'm never really going to see this person. Yeah. So, what's the big deal? Yeah. No, the, I'm not sure. Um, I guess, but it's, it's weird. 
it's really this show is really interesting to me because on like I was saying I watched it through the first time and I didn't go like oh that was good but I I didn't it seemed like a perfectly serviceable episode of the show until I took a step that didn't seem like there was a lot wrong with it until I took a step back and started thinking about it and I was like yeah man they're just this is just such a surface level show like everything is so shallow everything that it doesn't matter how many times people cry about stuff it's not going to make it have any more meaning yeah 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 no that's the um and that that was probably my problem with the tribunal thing i was like there must be meaning layered underneath all of this back and forth and then i rewatched it i was like oh there's actually there's actually not really that they're, they're not they're not talking about anything there's a substance there about like we can't trust you michael burnham because you are not being honest and because you betrayed people in the past but it's it's divorced from what the Vulcans should be concerned about, which is this threat that they, if they give away this information, it's probably just founded on that. Like the, it's built around the Vulcan fear of giving that away is because they feel bad that the Federation made them do the experiments in the first place. And it's not even a, what went wrong? Are we told what went wrong with their experiments? No, because they, they claim to know that the burn was caused because of the things that they were doing there. Okay, so someone they assume that someone like turned the machine on and that caused the burn to happen? I don't understand. Like, something, something, about, something about the new mode of travel they were developing caused it to happen. They don't say what. It's apparently on that file. Yeah. But they don't say what it is. I just, and then she's like, no, it wasn't that. And they're like, oh, I mean, all right. Yeah, it's I don't I don't feel that's that's maybe not enough strong enough reason or something to to link those two, but whatever. It's it's over for now. I it's like if you were working on an electric car and then all of a sudden every car in the country exploded. Well, it would be more like you you yes, or or like you what would it be like you bought a uh you bought a new PlayStation, right? And you mm-hmm. had it, and you was in your oh, house. Oh, don't rub it in, Wes. <laughs> Take that, Kyle. It's or impossible. Kyle has one, doesn't it? <laughs> it's impossible to get because so I can't wait. I can't wait six weeks for it to be restocked. Yeah. I have to play <laughs> fucking Viking, Viking Assassin's Creed today. Otherwise, my ass is gonna fall out. So you you buy the machine, and it's at home, and you're gonna turn it on when you get back from work, and then in the meantime, everything blows. There's no connection between. They didn't turn the machine on. And no, boom, everything blew up. You know what I mean? Like there's no, as far as I can tell, there's no, yeah, one ship went through the thing and it definitely caused the burn. They're just like, we were working on technology. Something terrible happened. It must be linked to this thing that we were working on. There's there's no, that's the scene. That's how that information is exposed through the tribunal. The Vulcans expose something about the logic and the science that they were working on has some kind of immediately obvious direct impact on what the burn could possibly yeah. be like yeah and it's just not there they just seem to be coincidentally <laughs> linking kinda... things so years ago years ago uh you remember dave thomas from yeah. wendy's wendy's <laughs> do i so uh uh dave thomas died um unfortunately years ago and uh the day after he died i was i was hanging out with with our friend dave who's on the uh, the star wars podcast and he just had this like really solemn look on his face and i was like what what's a, what's the matter and he goes i uh, yes, yesterday i was talking about how much i fucking hate dave thomas i hate those wendy's commercials and i said i wish he was dead 
and then the next day he was dead. And I, I just can't can't help but feel responsible. I feel like it's like that. Yeah, it where is. it's like they turned a light switch on, and then an atomic bomb went off across the galaxy, and they were like, "What did we cross wires or something?" Well, not even know. that. They go, "You made me turn the light on." Dickheads! <laughs> like, I, I didn't want to turn the light on, but you made me turn the switch. Yeah, it's uh, I it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff shakes out because it's honestly, it's 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 coming out worse than last season just because I don't even really know what the stakes are, and I don't think that they've done a good job laying out why any of this really matters. No, I, I feel the angel built better than this. Like the the angel, yeah. I felt like it was whether or not it's satisfying it felt like you were getting a little bit more information about it like it's like oh it it looks vaguely humanoid oh it's a futuristic yeah. suit oh it's it's, a, it's burnham's mother <laughs> and then you know it you culminates know, in that honestly i think that this season would have been much more improved the same story that they're doing would have been much more improved if burnham and discovery had not met up in the second episode if you had them going their separate ways like empire strikes back kind of style yeah where burnham is searching for this the cure to the burn or whatever cause of the burn and discovery's doing the starfleet stuff yeah and then eventually they come back and then you get all of then all of that reconciliation and burnham not really knowing where she is yeah, well kind of makes sense. more sense yeah um and it it gives it gives it a little bit more because it feels like well if you if you got if you want to show how the burn has really affected everything you got to see what the world is like what right. the universe is like but they're not doing that right because now that she's on the ship they're just stuck on the ship unless book manages to get himself arrested again and then they got to go break him out of jail correct you know so there's you're not really seeing a lot of the world and which is, which would go a long way to building the story you're trying to tell. And it would just it would emphasize this if when she gets back and there's a problem about whether or not she'll fit in, you can at least add a little bit of characterization there where she doesn't just feel like this has always been the Burnham decision. You know, like she she doesn't seem like that different of a character to me. The, the right. show claims that something happened over this month or a couple year, uh, year whatever it is that she was. Every away. time we talk about it, it's less time. <laughs> this, 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 she this, was only gone for like eight weeks, and this, all of a sudden she's got long hair. This three day weekend that she took away from Discovery seems to have changed her life, but she's still she's just fundamentally Michael Burnham of the pilot that they call back here. It's like it's a it's a character who disagrees with her superior and constantly undermines them to cause her outcome to be her desired outcome to be the one that actually happens. So, yeah. And they call it out here, you know, it's, she's the one that launches into the thing with the Vulcans and Saru doesn't have an opinion about that. He's just like, what the fuck did you sign us up for? Like what's going on here? Mm. And if she was away from discovery, you'd at least get a chance of, there's an argument for like the Federation is gone and now there's like a free living kind of life you know it's like the roguish lifestyle is in now that the federation and right. its rules aren't around anymore and that suits burnham right. as a character but instead she's back under the heel of starfleet rebelling against it i think that and again just as i've been saying through the season her rebelling against starfleet doesn't make any sense to me in terms of what a star trek show is supposed to be about but if she had some experiences where she proved herself to be the character like wesley Crusher that decides she's not for starfleet she's just not of this world and not to fit this mold mm-hmm. that's better characterization for burnham but the show is just saying burnham is a great starfleet officer who always gets the job done it's just everyone else is standing in her way and they should get the fuck out of her way yeah i you know i think 
I think Burnham has the least has changed the least out of everybody on the show. Yeah, probably over three seasons. Everybody else has forced or or organically changed quite a bit. Um, but Burnham is just the same character she's been since the first episode. Yeah, that's good. Cool. But and I think that's why the late lunch from Starfleet she took, uh, getting there early. Um, is stands out that much more when she like shows back up and she's got long hair and she's like, I don't know, I'm just not part of the system anymore. I don't yeah. feel like it. It's just it just feels so false because like she's not doing anything different. It's right. not, you know, no, you need a character like you need a character like Picard or something. So, someone mm-hmm. who is like has been the face of that for a long time and then it is in this world where it's missing. And then there's this character conflict about like, do I need it if I'm happy without it? Like it, it was fine back in that time of my life where I needed that structure or whatever. But this new world, I can find my own way without that sort of thing and whether or not it's necessary. And the other characters can determine if they think it's necessary. But yeah, I think the show's show not, show's not interested in that really about whether or not the Federation matters. The Federation does matter I, to the show. I was just going to say, I think this show is in desperate need of the Federation coming out on top over Burnham's decision at some point. Because otherwise it's just, you know, she, talk, she talks a big game about the Federation mattering, but she doesn't doesn't like she doesn't do anything she, yeah. yeah all she does is just go be a, a pirate yeah <laughs> and it's like that's fine <laughs> that's fine if if that's what what you're doing with her but she like they need the i think they need the pendulum to you need the other side of the coin too yeah you need to see why the federation matters and why it can't just be burnham uh pulling the old number six with book and then cutting to them having everybody tied up behind the behind the uh the van or Saru's outlook needs to trump Burnham's ideas at some point in the same plot. Yeah. Like Saru needs to tell her, no, we're gonna do it my way. And it becomes out with a better outlook because he's well, we'll just go with this. His his storyline here is very pleasant and very Star Trekky. But there, he doesn't really do much in it. You know, he just kind of mm. chats with the lady for a little bit and it's like, yeah, it's nice to be here on Vulcan. And uh, maybe we'll be friends in the future and stuff like that. And it, I like what they're going at there. And I like that Saru doesn't really push uh, on it. And he, he reflects the Federation in this kind of like easygoing nature. Like we'll be around whenever you're ready for this relationship to get serious. Um, <laughs> but it's not. He doesn't have a very big conflict. He just has to talk to the Vulcan nicely for a little bit, and that's yeah. his entire storyline. It's, yeah he 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 almost acts like the uh, the parent who just drove their kid to drama class or something, and now he's talking to one of the other parents, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, you know, she seems to really like it. I don't really understand." It, <laughs> Where are you from? Oh, oh yeah, my sister lived there for a little bit. Well, it's be- yeah, it's oh, it's great. Yes, no, yeah, okay. Well, we'll see you next week. You work in insurance. I, what exactly do you do? What do you yeah, do in insurance? What exactly do you do? Briefly summarize, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I actually like this. I did I did like those scenes though. Those those felt very Star Trekky to me. Yeah. The scenes with him and the uh, and the Vulcan president. I guess that's it. Let's call it a day there. Thank you very much for listening, guys. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file if you're so interested. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff, extra podcasts. We did. Um, we're doing we did inception this month and we have a ds9 revisit coming out mm-hmm. and as always you can go there and vote on polls and things about what we're going to cover it's patreon.com slash the penske file 
Our captain tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thank you goes to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cholog, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Doug Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Stefan Minton, Nick, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, AJ28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob 123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Siva, Captain Brazen, Kevin Larry, Eric Santuan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Zane Major, Soylent Blue, and Groppler John Zorn. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Glad you have anything you want to say. Uh, yeah, we had a uh, new Rotten Horror Picture Show come out this week. We talked about 2017's It adaptation, uh, which was a lot of fun. And next week we've got new Badass. We're coming up at the end of Season 3. We've got Riddler's Reform and Second Chance, which are two episodes that are uh, kind of play into the unofficial theme of Season 3 of Batman the Animated Series, which seems to be villain episodes where they try to go straight and then uh, whether sincerely or otherwise mm-hmm. and how that ends up shaking out. And then out. they get pulled back in. Mm. The allure of the shiny dollar. You can check out Penske, thepenskefile.com for those shows. Otherwise, subscribe on YouTube or iTunes or whatever you listen to podcasts on. Pocket Cast, perhaps. Um, that's it. We'll be back with The Sanctuary for Discovery. Enterprise continues as normal. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. And I guess we'll see you in a couple of days. See ya.